We've been looking at the words of Jesus, or last week we did, and we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus, to imagine a better way to live. Imagine a better way to live. And today the phrase I want to deal with is that life should be easier. Have you ever heard that before? Have you heard yourself say that? I know that I have. Life should be easier. Life should be easier. And, <clears throat> and, and that somehow suffering should be foreign to us as Christians. That as Christians that somehow we should be... Uh, there should be some kind of shield around us that makes us uh, inoculated or uh, immune to suffering. That somehow life should always move in an upward direction. The problem with that is that it creates more anxiety because life is hard. There are difficult times in life. Um, life brings difficult days. And, and when we do go through these times of difficulty, we, we tend to question God. We tend to question God's direction, even to step away from God and separate ourselves from God that prevents us from experiencing the presence of God and the sweetness of life. Now, I have no research on this, but... Um, so you can question me if you want to. Anybody wants to Google it, feel free to. I tried to. I couldn't find any data. But my, my research shows that Christians like to hide their suffering. Right? I mean, we're, uh, we're okay. We're fine. We're, we're doing great. Um, Everything's great in my house. It's not true. Christian faced life's troubles just like anybody else. The difference is we have a source. It's projected that next year, uh, over $13 billion will be spent on self-help and self-improvement. Non-Christian self-help and self-improvement. Uh, by the way, 5.5 billion of that is going to be spent on weight loss, um, which I kind of find interesting. But um, anyway, that's another story. That's another sermon, in fact. Um, the words of Jesus don't cost $13 billion. And, and yet... The majority of Christians admit that when it comes to the words of Jesus, they know the major passages. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and maybe a few others. But to know the words of Jesus is not where they are. Imagine a better life we're focusing on the words of Jesus. And as I was working on this sermon, I thought, you know what? We need to make 2022 a focus on the words of Jesus. That we as a congregation, as a people, and those who are coming to be a part of us, know more fully the words 
and the direction and the teachings of our Lord. For the better way to live is not to avoid the hardships, but to know that we have a Savior. And that it's not so much that life should be easier as Christians, but that life can be victorious as Christians. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. This morning we're looking at one of the more common passages, well-known passages. Come unto me, all that are heavy, that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I would venture to guess that this is probably at least in the top ten, if not in the top five, passages that most Christians at least can give it back to you in some form or fashion. Um, to, to fully understand this passage, though, we've got to take a look a few verses earlier to see the context of what Jesus is saying, okay? And, and so, in looking back to verse 27, verse 27 begins to set up what Jesus is trying to help us understand. Um, and he says, at that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Now, what in the world is Jesus talking about here? I thank you, Father, that you have hidden this from the wise and the intelligent and revealed it to the infants. Persons ready to receive the message of the kingdom are are those who by the standards of religion, in other words, those who are study, who are scholars, who uh, would be able to quote for you all the teachings of Jesus, are not the ones. Now, I hate to say that because I have spent my entire life studying the scriptures. I have spent my entire life studying the scriptures. But what this passage is saying is that that is not the qualification for what Jesus is about to share with us. That the qualification, what makes us available to God, is not our knowledge, but our faith. What has been revealed and understood by children. So it's not a matter of how much we know. It's a matter of how deep we believe. The second section, uh, in some ways, sounds like some of the quotes from the Gospel of John, where Jesus is, uh, where John really wants us to understand the words of Jesus and how Jesus is, is talking about his unity with the Father. And it says, All things have been handed over to me by the Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal them. Therefore, come to me, all that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, why is this important? 
Why is it important? Because Jesus is speaking to the simplicity of the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not, it's not complicated. Um, and, and what he's speaking to there here is his unity with the Father, his oneness with the Father, and that, that we don't earn our way into a fellowship with God. It is a gift. It's not obtained by words or deeds, works or deeds, but rather through the Son who has unity with the Father. And the fact that we have been blessed in the suburbs or the fact that we may have theological degrees matters very, doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is our acceptance of the Christ. Therefore, it is open to those who are weary, those who carry heavy burdens, those who need rest, those who, who need the presence of God in their life. It's not it's not earned. It is a gift. The third section is, is my favorite. And, and it really is an invitation to discipleship in one way, but in another, it, is, it explains our partnership with Jesus and what Jesus is really offering to us. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy <clears throat> and my burden is light. Um, this passage is referring to the dependence associated with being yoked with Christ. Now, a yoke, I, I'm assuming that you know that, if you know this passage, is a yoke is what held two oxen or horses together, primarily oxen. And each yoke was made specifically for a team or a pair of oxen. Okay, no, no two oxen can pull the same amount of weight. And so if you have a, if you have a yoke that is equal, then, and you've got an oxen on the one side that can pull 20,000 pounds, okay, and you've got an oxen on the other that can pull 10,000 pounds, together they could pull well over 30,000 pounds, but if the yoke is equal, they won't be able to do that. Because the the weaker oxen will have to pull just as hard as the stronger one. And, and so yokes were made for each individually. They were crafted, they were, they were tailored for, for the yoke so that the stronger one could carry more weight. Do you hear where Jesus is going? You hear where he's going with this? The stronger one can carry more weight my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. There's a legend that Jesus in the carpenter shop in Galilee specialized in making yokes. And the legend includes that there was a sign above the door of his shop that said, my yokes fit well. And according to this legend, what Jesus was doing was referring back to the yokes that he had made for so many teams of oxen 
And he was saying to those customers of his that I can be for you what the strongest of your oxen have been for the, for, for the weakest of, of, of your oxen. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke fits well. Life is not easy. And just because we're followers of Jesus doesn't mean that we will not experience the dark days of life's challenges. But we are not alone in this world. We are not alone in this uh, effort of <clears throat> walking those dark nights. And we have the promise that God is with us. We have the promise of victory no matter what life might bring. And we have the promise that there is always light on the other side of darkness. But here's the deal. We have to make a choice. Jesus said, take my yoke. You don't have to live this by yourself anymore. You don't have to face this by yourself anymore. Take my yoke upon you. If you're weary and tired, I don't know about you, but your pastor gets weary and tired, okay? I'm willing to admit that. I'm, I don't, I don't want to hide anymore. I am not perfect, okay? But I worship one who is. I follow one who is. And I strive to be yoked and partnered with one who is. About two months ago, I was working on a psalm that is my favorite that we used in our worship service today. It's actually a psalm that I memorized in the seventh grade while I was taking uh, uh, God and Country in the Boy Scouts. Now, also at that time, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. She went through some pretty debilitating surgeries and some uh, horrible cancer treatments. And for a 12-year-old who had grown up with a second mother who lived with us, and I'd even, you've heard this story, I've even shared a room with her till I was seven years old. Um, those were tough days. And, and so I would pray for her every night. And I would pray the 23rd Psalm. And I didn't know what else to pray, and so I would just pray it over and over again. And so for me, the 23rd Psalm just rolls off my lips. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And in some ways, there have been different times in my life where I've even lost the meaning of the Psalm because I know it so well. And so my effort a couple of months ago was to reacquaint myself. And as I was looking at it, I realized that, that this psalm is a map for the way that we can live our lives. It's a, it's a map. It's that I had, I had seen, it's kind of separated into parts, but each part is connected to the other.
in my own life, I want to avoid darkness. Yet, it comes no matter how hard I try to avoid it. And, and this psalm speaks of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And so I was drawn to it. And when I looked at it, I saw... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And I I was looking at that and I, I thought, this is where God shows his care for us. Like a shepherd, even when I don't want to slow down, God leads me to those places. He forces me to slow down. He uh, <clears throat> leads me in those places of still waters where I can hear his voice and come to know his voice and understand his voice and recognize his voice. And and, and then the passage that I almost had missed, that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, the way the Hebrew is is constructed there is that that's that's a learning phrase. To be led in the paths of righteousness is to be led in those in those places in those places of learning God's way in our life. And then it hit me that God was preparing me for what is coming next. And and I've thought of that next part of of the 23rd Psalm as something that I wanted to avoid even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to do that. Why do I have to do that, Lord? Why why do I have to walk through the darkest valley? And yet, I know that I fear no evil, for with me is the rod and the staff of of the the shepherd of my God. And and as I was looking at this, I realized that, (laughs) that as God leads me to those places of silence, as God leads me to those quiet waters, as God teaches me his way, he is preparing me for the valley of the shadow of death. He is preparing me for the darkness. And it just struck me, you know, how do people that haven't had an experience with Jesus, have, that have no concept of what it means to trust God through Jesus Christ, that have no concept of the grace of God, that have no concept of the victory of God that can, that can lead us through with confidence those dark, how do they make it? Because I... I began to map out. I was actually going back through preparing for teaching EHS. I was going back and mapping my life, which is part of, a, part of what we do in that class. And I was seeing the places where God had prepared me and then the places with the, the shadow. And I went, oh, my goodness. God was, God was preparing me before I even knew it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for I recognize your voice. I know your presence. 
I understand your rod and your staff because I have walked the paths of righteousness. I have learned what they are for. I have understood their purpose. I can walk this valley because my soul has been prepared for this moment. I can walk these moments of darkness with confidence because I know that my God is with me. And as I was thanking God in that moment, I realized that the third part of the psalm had a purpose. You know, we always look at that, and I, I give thanks. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord the great blessing of God's table, the gracious anointing of God's spirit, the goodness and mercy of the Lord and the dwelling place of God comes only after we have walked the dark valley. That place is a place on the other side of the dark valley. That place is the place that comes when we with confidence have walked that valley knowing that there is a promise on the other side. That, That table is there for us waiting. That is our hope. That is our confidence. That is our strength. So the more willing... I follow the Lord to the still waters and the paths of righteousness that slow me down and teach me the ways of God. The more ready I am to face the dark valleys and with greater anticipation do I walk that valley knowing what's on the other side. That's why I think Jesus could say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden And I can give you rest. He knew the psalm. He knew the dark valleys. He knew the table. He knew the assurance. We may enjoy God on the mountains, but we learn to trust God in the valleys. And it is in the places that God has led me to rest, to be silent, to learn God's way, that he has prepared me for those valleys. You know, I want us to stop thinking of life being easier and instead to think of life as an opportunity for victory. You got it? It's not easy. But we can experience the victory through Jesus Christ. I want to share a prayer with you and offer it as we close. And then I want to say a few things about what I think Jesus wants this morning. And here it is. Here's the prayer. I'm going to publish this this week on Facebook and other places for you. God, give me permission to call to you. God, free me to wrestle, to push back, to cry out, to even acknowledge my doubts. doesn't have to be a secret anymore. But even in these moments, God, never let me go. 
Remind me of the table that is waiting on me as I hang on to your love and hope. There may be those today who are struggling. There may be those online listening that are, are, are struggling. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe you have doubts. Maybe there is a lack of divine intimacy uh, or a lack of confidence or a lack of strength or a lack of assurance. Maybe there's pain, desperation, loneliness, guilt, shame. Today, I want you to know that God cares for you. God loves all of us more than we can ever know. Some of you may be waiting for what God has for you. But maybe God is waiting on you. Maybe God's waiting on me. Maybe God's waiting on us. Maybe God is ready for us to say yes to his grace, to his goodness, to his gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Maybe God is just waiting for us to stop and to listen for a moment. And who is just Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God, perfect in every way without sin, who was obedient to God's call, died on the cross in place, in our place as the perfect sacrifice. He rose again from the dead. And, and why is it important to know this Jesus? So that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus can be saved, forgiven, transformed. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how dark our life feels. When we call upon the name of Jesus... He hears our prayer. He forgives our sins. He makes us better than new. And I got to tell you, believers need this as much as those who may be making that decision today to say, yes, Lord, I love you. I need you. I take your yoke. And so pray this prayer with me as we close. As I say a phrase, in, in, silently or out loud, repeat it with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. Jesus, be my Savior. The Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you, so I can follow you, so I can make you known. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name, amen.